A very pleasant good morning to each one of you this morning. If you have your Bible with you, I'd invite you to open to the book of Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, we'll be looking at that text here in just a moment. I hope that you have uh, been engaged with our God this morning as we have come together to open our hearts and to open our lips and to sing praises to Him and to approach His throne of mercy and grace in prayer this morning to remember the endless and matchless love as we spoke about at the nine o'clock session this morning, the amazing love that God has shown to us and especially as he has uh, shown that to us through his son Jesus Christ as we have remembered his death this morning and to encourage each one in our walk with him and in our faith in his son Jesus the Christ. In the book of Ecclesiastes, in chapter 1 and verse 8, the wise man observed there that all things are wearisome, man is not able to tell it, the eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 10, the wise man there wrote that he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, and he who loves abundance with its income. Although we may think that not being satisfied with the blessings that God has so richly given to us is just a problem that is peculiar to us, we may just sometimes think about that as being a challenge or a struggle that we must face as being 21st century Americans. The wise man Solomon says to us in that book that he wrote so long ago that that is not the case, that it has always been the case, at least since sin has been introduced into our world that our eyes have not been filled with seeing, that our ears have not been filled with hearing, that as God blesses us with all kinds of physical blessings in this life, that many times if we are in love with those blessings rather than being in love with the one who has given us those blessings, that we will not be satisfied, we will be discontent. Discontentment with both the giver and the gifts I believe has been humanity's problem for a long, long time. It is not something that we just deal with or we have to struggle with in this time and in this country, but it is something that man has dealt with for a long time. While we could consider what the scriptures say this morning about the struggle of discontentment, yes, even I believe the sin of being discontent with the things that God has blessed us with, I want us to really look at the other side of that coin this morning. I want us to think about the positive spiritual quality of contentment. And as we think about that quality that all of us need to possess and need to develop and need to be growing in in our lives, we want to do that by specifically looking at Paul's statement of contentment as our brother Kerry read for us at the beginning of our worship period this morning in the passage that hopefully you're already open to here from Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. The statement that Paul makes there, especially at verse 11, that he says, Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. That's really the thought that we want to focus upon this morning. And as we think about Paul's statement of contentment, that he had learned to be content, whatever his circumstances were in life... On the surface, that seems like a very simple statement, doesn't it? It certainly is a very short statement. If you're in 
Todd's class this morning from the book of Ephesians, he rightly pointed out to us that Paul does have the propensity to write some very long statements, some very involved statements, some statements that cover multiple verses in our Bibles, but not so of Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11. This is a very short, simple, concise statement, and yet at the same time, I believe it is a very profound statement that Paul is saying something about himself and his walk as a Christian, about his growth as a Christian that is very profound. It is very much a rich statement from the apostle. It is in some ways a simple statement, but a deep statement. It is a statement, I believe, of faith and trust that he had come to at this point in his life where he could make this statement that he learned to be content in whatever circumstances he found himself in. So this morning, we just want to think about that statement to kind of look at it, pull out a a few different words from this statement, and to look at it from a few different vantage points to help us learn what true contentment is and to help us follow the example of Paul that we can be content with the blessings that God has given us today. Number one, Paul says here in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11 that he had learned to be content. That that says to me that contentment was not a characteristic that Paul was naturally born with. It was not the case that Paul just came out of the womb and he was a content person. And I don't believe that's the case for any any of us. Uh, About a lot of godly spiritual qualities or characteristics as we read them in Scripture, it's not the case that just some of us maybe are born content and some of us just are naturally born with the, the spiritual quality of joy and others of us have the spiritual quality of peace and on and on we can go throughout that list and, and there are just some of us that can't develop or grow in this quality or characteristic of contentment. No, Paul is saying that this was a spiritual trait that he had to learn. This was a spiritual trait that he had to grow in even as an apostle of Christ. Well, how did he do that? How did Paul learn contentment? Well, surely he learned it through his relationship with Jesus Christ, that he really learned what contentment was when he became a Christian. And as he grew up in Christ, as he walked with Christ, as that relationship deepened with his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as he looked to Jesus as his great example of contentment, he was able to learn contentment himself. But as we also talked a little bit about in Todd's Ephesians class this morning, it's not enough for us just to know the Word intellectually. It's not just enough for us to know what God's Word says to us, but we really have to take that Word and plant it on our hearts as James instructs us to do in James chapter 1. That has to be what guides our life. That has to be what shapes and molds us as people. And so Paul not only learned it through his relationship with Christ and learning from the example of Christ. But he had to take Christ's example and he had to connect that to his own life experiences. And then he had to apply all of these characteristics to describe Christ. And as he's speaking of, as we're thinking of this morning, this characteristic of contentment. The the more that Paul learned Christ, the more he became like Christ. And the more that the Apostle Paul was content with his life that he had in Christ. Think about his life before he was a Christian. As we read about that, as he talks to us about that in several different places, but especially the previous chapter here in Philippians chapter 3, and he lists all of, from a worldly uh, perspective, from a human perspective, 
all of the blessings, all of the advantages, all of maybe the comforts that he had in life. And we might say that Paul probably was content with his life. But his life had drastically changed as a Christian. Christ had called him to walk a totally different path. But here was Paul saying that as he learned more about Christ, as he became more like his Lord and Savior, the more he was content with life, whatever it brought to him. He was content with the instabilities of life. He was content with the uncertainties of life. I want you to see here in verse 12, and we'll probably come back to this point a little bit later on in our lesson. But he says to us here in verse 12, I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. I know the secret of being filled and going hungry. You can think about those two words and those phrases about uh having humble beings, just barely enough of life's necessities to get by, but he also learned how to be content in prosperity. He learned how to be content when he was filled, but also when he was hungry. He learned how to be content when he had an abundance, more than what he needed, but also when he was in need of some things, that wherever his life took him, whatever his life was like, he had learned to be content. Do you think that was easy for Paul? <laughs> I'm sure that was a somewhat difficult thing for the Apostle Paul to do because he lived in a world much like ours, a world that is very much, for most people, discontent with their life and discontent with their God, the one who has blessed them so richly. It was a world, as we've already read this morning, Whereas the wise man Solomon again described in his day, in the day of Paul, it was a world where the eye is not satisfied with seeing, where the ear is not filled with hearing. It is a world, as Paul talked about in the last days, that there would be men like this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 2 and 4. It was a world that where most of the people that were living around Paul were lovers of themselves. They were lovers of money. They were lovers of pleasure rather than being lovers of God. That certainly describes a lot of people that we associate with from day to day, doesn't it? It was a world where, as John, the Apostle John wrote in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16, a world where most people in the world were chasing after worldly lust, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, that those kind of desires were what were driving them, motivating them to live their life here upon earth. And yet, even in that kind of environment, here was Paul writing in Philippians 4 and verse 11, and he was saying that he had learned to be content. I think it's safe for us to say that learning to be content was something that was not a one-time action for Paul. This is something that was a continuous, daily, ongoing thing for the Apostle Paul. It's not that he ever got to the point in his life where he says, now I have true contentment and I don't have to learn to be content anymore. I don't have to grow in contentment. Because they're like us. There were always new situations, new struggles that he faced in his life that he had not faced before. And still he says he had learned to be content because he was learning Christ. And to me that seems to be the key for us learning to be content. Secondly, as we think about the statement that Paul wrote here in Philippians 4 and verse 11... We learned that Paul learned to be content. The word content is from two Greek words, what I understand. One of those Greek words meaning self and the other Greek word meaning sufficient. 
And we might think about, as we talk about that word self-sufficient, we think about it in our American culture today that, yeah, life just all depends upon me. That, that I don't really need anyone else. I, I don't need anyone else to guide me. I don't need anyone else to help me. I can do it all on my own. But I believe the idea here is that this, in spite of what was going on around him in his life and in the world, that Paul was a self-sufficient person. Of course, that sufficiency ultimately came from God himself. But Paul had learned to truly be content. To be a person like the Apostle Paul, to make the statement in our own life, at this point in our lives, that we have learned to be content, means that we must be people who have that strong relationship with Christ. That despite all of the chaos and confusion that may be going on around us, that we, like Paul, have that internal peace about us, that we know that we are right with God. Whatever else happens, that we have peace with God. And we have that joy inside of us that comes from knowing Jesus Christ. As Paul writes here in this letter earlier in chapter 4, to rejoice in the Lord always again, I say rejoice. It is knowing that we have hope. We spoke about this again in Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 1, that we can know, we can grow in the hope of his calling, that we know whatever else happens to us in our life, whatever else happens to this world, that those of us who are Christians, we have that hope, we have that confident expectation that God will take care of us and that we will be with him forever in eternity. It is having that internal satisfaction and all of those things, peace, joy, love, hope, satisfaction, contentment, all of those things are connected to, or not connected to, rather, they're not dependent upon our external circumstances. And for many people in life, you know, they're happy, they're joyous if things are going well. And they maybe have some kind of temporary peace that the world can give if things are going well in their lives. But when things are going badly, when there is difficulty in their life, then they are not happy. They have lost all hope. But those of us who are Christians, those spiritual qualities are not dependent upon our external circumstances, whatever they are. One writer said this about the Apostle Paul and his contentment. He said, quote, Paul's sufficiency is within himself, not from himself, but within himself. He has in himself what is needful for his highest welfare and happiness. That's because God is working in his life. This is why he can live independent of his surroundings. These things do not determine his happiness. And that is a totally different mindset from the world in which Paul found himself living and that surely is a different mindset from the world in which we find ourselves living. Where our success, our happiness rather, our joy, our peace, that for many people that is dependent upon our level of wealth, our, our standard of living, upon our health physically, upon a number of different things that really when you think about those things, in a lot of ways they are really out of our control. But not so for Paul. For Paul to say here in Philippians 4 and verse 11 that he was content, given all that he had experienced as a Christian, is to me an amazing statement. That he could say with all honesty, I have learned to be content. I want you to think of the sufferings that Paul experienced for following Jesus Christ. Just two passages that we want to consider this morning. 
First of all, from 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning at verse 9, the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, For I think God has exhibited us apostles last of all as men condemned to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are prudent in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are without honor. To this present hour, we are both hungry and thirsty and are poorly clothed and are roughly treated and are homeless. And we toil working with our own hands. When we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. When we are slandered, we try to conciliate. We have become as a scum of the world, the dregs of all things, even until now. And then the passage that I'm sure many of us are more familiar with over in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And I don't know that Paul is mentioning every type of suffering that he experienced as being a Christian, as being a preacher of the gospel, as being an apostle of Christ. But, but this is certainly a very good list here in these two passages. 2 Corinthians 11, beginning at verse 23, as he is trying to defend his apostleship, as he is trying to show that he is a true apostle of Christ. He's not like these other men that perhaps have come to Corinth and claimed to be apostles and tried to put Paul down. But he is saying, here is the evidence that I am a true apostle of Christ. Beginning at verse 23, are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane, I more so, in far more labors, in far more imprisonment, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I was spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys, in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen. Dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there is a daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Combining these two texts together, just think about all that Paul had experienced, all that he had suffered for the cause of Christ. He says back in chapter 4 of 1 Corinthians that we just looked at a minute ago, that he as an apostle and all the apostles had been humiliated. They had been shamed to the point that they were just considered to be fools, to be considered the scum of the earth, that, that they were kind of subhuman, if you will. In this text that we just read here from 2 Corinthians 11, that he had been imprisoned, that he had been badly beaten several times, he had been stoned and left for dead, he had been shipwrecked several times, he had suffered insomnia nights when he couldn't sleep, he had experienced hunger and thirst, he had been exposed to the elements where he didn't even have proper shelter over his head, and on top of all that, as he says to us in verse 28, here, here were not just these physical matters that he was dealing with or physical sufferings, but even emotionally and mentally in his spiritual relationship with his brethren, that he was concerned about brethren's spiritual well-being around the world. 
You know, I, I don't know how Paul did all of that, to be honest with you. Because I think about myself and the work that I have done as a preacher in my life, and, and I've just had one congregation to work with. And there sometimes have been sleepless nights for myself. When, when I have been concerned about a brother or sister in Christ, about their spiritual uh, well-being, their spiritual welfare, or, or about some difficulty that they are facing in their life, and that has affected me. But I can't imagine Paul and, and the thousands of Christians that he knew all over the world and the dozens of congregations that he helped to establish and all of those brethren and not just being concerned about what he was suffering personally, but being thinking about his brethren and what they were going through. On top of all that, we, of course, remember here in the next chapter, in chapter 12, beginning at verse 7, about this thorn in the flesh that Paul doesn't tell us exactly what it was. But he says that on top of all of that suffering, he had to live with this thorn in the flesh, that he prayed to God about that three times, and God said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power will be shown through your weakness And yet, as verse 10 of chapter 12 says, as Paul himself wrote, Therefore I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul's conclusion to all of this when the Lord said, No, I'm not going to take away your thorn in the flesh, you're, you're go, that is going to remain for you so that I can show my power through you. Paul's response to all of that is, I'm going to be content. <laughs> wow, what a response. He's going to be content with weaknesses and insults and persecutions and, and everything that he would have to deal with as being a Christian and apostle of Christ. And even in the text that we are considering this morning, back in the book of Philippians, we, we know, don't we, where Paul was writing this book from, that Paul, as he's writing these words to these Christians, he is sitting in a Roman prison cell. He is suffering. He is awaiting trial before Caesar himself. He is suffering for the cause of Christ. And yet he is able to say, even in those circumstances, I have learned to be content. My joy, my peace, my happiness does not depend on the fact that I'm sitting in a prison cell considered to be one who has broken the law of Rome because he had Christ in his life. Despite all the trials, all the tribulations that the Apostle Paul had experienced, here he was in Philippians 4 and verse 11 able to say, confidently that he had learned to be content. He's a great example for us, isn't he? So we must learn to be content, whatever our circumstances are right now. I'm sure for many in this audience that life is not ideal. <laughs> Maybe life has not worked out according to our own plans, the way that we thought things would go. There have been some hiccups along the way. There have been detours. There have been challenges that have come, road bumps, if you will. That's true for all of us. But we need to take the example of Paul and we need to learn to be content whatever our circumstances are. And that brings us to the third point here 
about Paul's statement. As Paul wrote these words again, he is in prison. His life was not a life of stability. It was very much a life of extremes. As he says to us again in verse 12, sometimes he had more than enough. Sometimes he barely had the necessities of life. But again, it is amazing to me that he had learned to be content in any and every circumstance that came along. Whatever he was facing, whatever he was experiencing in his life, he had learned in that situation to be content. I don't know what your particular personality is like, but but for me, I, I am a person who generally likes stability in life. You know, I'm a person, I guess I'm a planner type personality and I kind of like to be able to look ahead and see what's, what's coming down the road. But as I've gotten older, I, I've come to the realization that I can't do that. I couldn't do it when I was younger, but I, I, that, that's just not within my power many times to know what is, what is coming in the future and to be able to plan for every contingency. I think most of us, I would assume, kind of like our lives to be somewhat stable. But here is Paul, yes, before he became a Christian, I think we could say, at least from a worldly standpoint, he had stability in his life. But all of that, he gladly gave all of that up so that he could know Jesus Christ. We have seen already this morning how Paul learned contentment in the difficult, in the lean times in his life. But he also states here that he had learned contentment in the easier times of his life, maybe in the more prosperous times of his life. I want you to think for just a minute about the positives that Paul experienced in his life. And they certainly were many, just like the suffering that he experienced. But I want you to think of all the blessings that Paul experienced as a Christian. As he says in the earlier chapter here in Philippians chapter 3, He had the blessing of knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. That that was his goal. That was his aim in life. If he accomplished nothing else for the rest of his life, he wanted to make sure that he knew Jesus Christ and that ultimately resulted in or ended in his resurrection. That he could be raised from the dead and he could spend eternity with God. He had that blessing of knowing Christ in a way that he certainly did not know him before he came to him. He had the blessing of relationships with so many good brethren. The relationship with Timothy, as he describes Timothy in 1 Timothy and in 2 Timothy, both chapters 1, that he thought of Timothy as his true child in the faith, that he thought of Timothy as being one who was his son in the faith. He describes Titus in much the same terms, that, that here was a strong deep relationship that he had with these younger evangelists. He had great relationships with other co-workers and with local churches. Here in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 1, he describes this church by saying, Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see my joy and crown, in this way stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. Twice in this verse, he describes these saints in Philippi as being beloved brethren. They are are his joy. They are his crown. Not some earthly joy or crown or reward that he was seeking. He says much the same thing about the brethren in Thessalonica. That they were his crown, his joy, his, his reason to rejoice. And especially when he would see them in that day of resurrection. And he had, of course, the hope of an eternal reward as he writes... 
those so famously in 2 Timothy rather chapter 4, at the very end of his life, some of the last recorded words that we have from the Apostle Paul, as he says there in verse 7 of 2 Timothy 4, that I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. There are numerous blessings that Paul enjoyed even now. But he was even looking forward to what was to come later. Sometimes I, I think that prosperity in our lives can cause discontentment just as much as adversity can. Certainly it may be easier for us to see as we thought about those difficult times in the life of Paul. It would be very hard for someone to uh, be content in those circumstances, but sometimes when things are going well, when life seems to be good, it can be very hard for us to be content with God and the gifts that He gives us. And yet, at least from my standpoint, that's why it is so amazing that Paul was able to write what he wrote in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11, that he had learned to be content in whatever circumstance he found himself. We may learn contentment maybe in one or one set of circumstances and not learn contentment in the other. That is to say, maybe when things are not going well for us in our life, when life is not turning out like we planned it to turn out, that we can learn in those difficult days to truly be content and to be satisfied with God. Our relationship with Him and our relationship with His children and the blessings that He has given to us. It also may be the case that when things are going well that we learn to be content. But for us to learn whatever our circumstances are, like Paul had done, that we're going to be content. And it doesn't matter what our circumstances are like in the future. If they change, either for the better or for the worse, that we have learned to be content in Christ. That is a blessing for us. And that ought to give us a goal, I think, to shoot for as Christians that we ought to grow to the point where we can say, as Paul said, I've learned to be content whatever my life is like. Generally, again, I think most of us like a somewhat stable life. And when life goes from one extreme to the other as it was for the Apostle Paul as a Christian, we can be easily discontented with the things that we have, with the life that God has given us. However, I'm encouraging all of us this morning to learn from Paul, to learn this great lesson of contentment. Regardless of what our life is like, regardless of what our current circumstances are like, that through Jesus Christ and the strength that comes through Him as He writes to us there in verse 13, that we can do all things. Yes, we can learn even to be content. What about you this morning? Are you a child of God? God so desperately wants you to be His child. He has done everything that He can do short of taking away your choice about the matter to make it possible that you can be His child. And that doesn't mean that all of your troubles and trials are going to automatically go away. In fact, as we see in the life of Paul, that may mean that they increase in our life because we are Christians. But you will have God walking with you. And you can rejoice 
in your relationship with Him, you can be content. It may be that this problem of discontentment that is so pervasive in our culture today has gotten into your thinking and has gotten into your life. And it may be that because you are discontent that you have sinned against your great God in some way. And if you need to admit that just to God, you personally to Him, do that this morning. If you need to make that known to this congregation of His people, do that this morning. Whatever your need might be, if you look at your life and you see that you are not right with God, would you not come to Jesus the way as we're about to sing this morning? Think about your life, and if you need to respond to the invitation, do that now as we stand and as we sing.